Our US Open coverage is sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. And as part of our US Open coverage, Joel and I are taking a little AG1 challenge of our own and we'll be updating you on our AG1 journey and how it's improving our health and wellness. So Joel, we've got started. How are you finding it? I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit sceptical at first, but I got my flask, put one scoop in, added water, shook it all about. And do you know what? It actually tastes pretty good. Yeah, I was surprised because normally the healthier something is, the worse it tastes. But for me, what I like is I've got a cupboard of vitamins that it's been able to replace. So that's just one product I can take in the morning. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash tennis weekly. That's drinkag1.com forward slash tennis weekly. Check it out. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's US Open Round 1 catch-up sponsored by AG1. Coco Goff survives a scare. Holger Rune gets rumbled. And Dominic Team gets his first Grand Slam win in two and a half years. Kim, today is the 29th of August and we are here to catch up on round one of the US Open at Tennis Weekly HQ. Well, I say round one, in true Tennis Weekly fashion, it's more like 75% of round one because in Britain, we are at the mercy of the time zone in New York City. We are. So it's more like round 1.5 catch up at the moment, (laughs) I think. But very excitingly, uh, and quite last minute, we do have one third of Tennis Weekly landing right about now at JFK Airport it's in all New go. York. It's all go. Yes, Chris Chris is there. I think he's landed. And in true Tennis Weekly fashion, he's going, I believe, from straight from the airport to Flushing Meadows and is going to get stuck in. I think he's already sourced out the uh, the luggage drop and then uh, he'll be on his way in to, uh, to get involved and get stuck in in the tennis. Yeah, so we look forward to hearing some updates from around the grounds later in the week from Chris once he has settled in and he's watched some he tennis. He can go to the night session so we don't have to do the graveyard shift because he's out there. He can do the night sessions for us. He can do it on actual time whilst, you know, we're supposed to be sleeping. But um, but yeah, let's let's look back on what's happened on day two so far. We'll do day one uh, later on in this episode. But day two so far, quite a few Brits in action. Going quite well. And actually, we've got a collector set picks as well. Yeah, not forgetting collector set picks, which we'll <laughs> reveal at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, although, yeah, I feel like one of yours might already have fallen yeah. by the I don't know why wayside. Actually, I don't know why I was so eager to actually mention that, because as our listeners will hear later, I, I probably shouldn't have been so blasé uh, given my picks. I have already suffered one, one fatality, really. <laughs> Slam spoon of shame is coming your oh, way. Oh, don't say that, kid. <laughs> I've, I've definitely put myself out there as a as a as an early runner. Don't worry. Some of my predictions I made, I think, in our preview episode, have not <laughs> gone uh, very well mm. since. Uh, but there has been good results for some today, uh, including some Brits. We've had both Katie Balter and Cameron Norrie winning in straight sets, which is great. Um, Balter was up against Dian Parry and. Cam Nori was up against Alexander Shevchenko. So both winnable matches and they came through them comfortably, which is great. That's exactly the sort of performances we we want to to see the Brits have in the early rounds. Andy Murray currently on court against uh, Corentin Mute. He's a set up and oh, he's just got set point, set Joel. Point. So mm. he could be well I'm, on his I'm, way. I was a little bit surprised by that because he was he was a breakdown in the second set. And I was I thought this was going to be edging towards one set all. But uh yeah, it's great to see Andy Murray. I was watching that bit of that earlier. It seems that he is he is fit, um, fighting fit. So um yeah, he uh he's not leaving any stone unturned. And the Brits the Brits at the moment, Kim, knock on wood, but they are on a roll, aren't they? Because we had a Miyazaki yesterday. Uh, win through her first ever Grand Slam win and Katie Bolter I mean I think this was a very good result for her I think she had beaten Diane Parry earlier this year in in qualifying in Indian Wells but um, the fact that Caroline Garcia is out the draw has opened up a little bit nicely for her 
Well, that's our next news story of the day so far. Yeah, Caroline Garcia, the renaissance, the prophecy. uh, Well, currently none of that's happening because she's not had a great season, has she? Um, She's out in the first round to Chinese qualifier Yafan Wang, 6-4-6-1. Very comfortable scoreline for Wang. And um, yeah, really, really poor from Caroline Garcia. I mean, she's going to be hoping that the doubles kind of revives her a bit because I think she's entered that, hasn't she, with Nodenovic. And I think maybe she needs that kind of... uh, revival again and yeah. previously the doubles has given it to her so she'll be hoping perhaps for that again because you know she reached the semis here last year so she's dropping a lot of points in the singles with this uh, defeat it feels like she's dropped a lot of points this season this season has just not gone the way you know she would have liked it to given how strong the second half of last year's season was so yeah, it's a bit dispiriting to see her and the fact that, you know, her ranking is going to drop. You know, she's been a mainstay really in the in the top 10 since last last season, the second half of last season. But the fact she's going to drop out of that, you know, she's going to be fighting to get into the WTA end of season finals. And, um, you know, to come here to lose in the first round to, to Wang, I think is, yeah, it's very disappointing. Although I will say though, Wang is a very decent player. I was looking at her form and her record. I mean... She's gone 37 and three since May. So she's, you know, riding on a wave of confidence um, from all those victories. And probably on, you know, from Caroline Garcia's point of view, not the name you would have wanted to see drawn with going into round one, low on confidence, losing, you know, losing matches. Yes, she put a little bit of a run together, you know, last week in, in Cleveland. But um, at these big events, at these slams, it's just not happening for her the way it was happening for her last season. Yeah, and actually when you look at Wang's statistics, you know, that is a such an impressive record and she's definitely one to watch and it won't be easy for for Katie Balter at all. I think she's got a real um real yeah. difficult matchup. I mean, arguably her. Garcia I could I could make the point Kim that Caroline Garcia was going in as the underdog into her round one match given I'd say the lack of form that she's shown in contrast to um to Wang's performances this year. Yeah, given recent form, um, I, th- I think that that's a, an absolutely fair point. And perhaps Katie Balter would, she knows what Car- Caroline Garcia is like. You know, she's played her and they've had some really good matches like the one we saw in Coventry, but that's not that's not going to be. Why do you think this has happened to Caroline Garcia? We've almost kind of in this, I feel, second season syndrome of the fact that we had we saw the best of her last year and now we're seeing the worst and we're seeing the worst of her, I feel like more or less you know, week in, week out. What what do you think has, has gone on there in terms of, you know, the performances we're seeing and the fact that she's just not turning up and it's frustrating because we've seen so much better tennis from her? I think she's a player that really, you know, plays on, on a streak, on, on confidence levels. And when they're sort of not high and she's struggling, she just sort of mentally gets very down on herself and she just doesn't have that kind of flow and, and that streak. So I think it's either like, really all really good and going well or it can be kind of the complete opposite and there's maybe perhaps not really a happy middle ground um so we saw before you know when she won the french open doubles last year with with mladenovic that kind of really bolstered her and gave her that kind of uh run of form and, and kind of just positivity that she needed so maybe you know that's why she has entered the doubles and she's kind of looking for that again because she knows that she sort of her career's kind of waned uh in the singles mm. this this year unfortunately i will say kim i think she tempted fate with her instagram posts because i don't know if you saw this and i don't know if our mm. listeners saw this on social media she posted that she had checked in to the langham hotel on fifth avenue in new york city for two weeks and as soon as i saw that i had to get on the tennis weekly whatsapp chat and be like she has tempted fate there given the form that she has shown over the last few months well, I was, I did see that. And she's I hoping thought, for a deep run in the doubles. But I mean, maybe she's just going to chill and enjoy New York, yeah. if not, you know, have a, have a nice bit of a break, uh, enjoy the city. If, if she does get out the tennis early, um, there's far <laughs> worse places to, to uh, be staying, I suppose. And, uh, and if you have to sit out the rest of your booking, I suppose I can think of worse places. But um, <laughs> one other player who will still need her hotel reservation, or at least for the foreseeable, is Anjibor. Because I guess um, 
you know, Onjabor, she's another sort of uh, winner that's that's come through today, but she didn't have it easy. Uh, she was struggling, um, having some breathing difficulties against uh, Camilla Osorio, coming through seven five seven six to get into the second round. Um, so yeah, really, really struggling with um, that, and really having to kind of pull out the win. Um, and she's yeah she's she's recently uh, had her birthday. She's just turned twenty nine. So this isn't really the the style of 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 win that she'd like to have have gone for. But she has at least got the do- job done today, hasn't she, Joel? Yeah, it wasn't the best tennis. It wasn't the best tennis from both of them. And I think actually, if Osorio had played to a level, I think we've seen from her in the past, she arguably could have come out with the the upset because Omzubor was really. Physically, anyway, she was feeling it. Um, you know, I think she brought the doctor out on court, breathing difficulties, as you said. Um, so I was very impressed, actually, the the way she managed to come through. You know, two tough sets, and in that second set as well, I think she was a, a breakdown. And uh, to see her kind of come back and clinch it on that tie break just shows, I think, what a what a fighter she is, regardless of you know how she's feeling. She can really just go out there and 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 gut it out. And uh, I think, you know, she will. I hope she'll just kind of have be motivated, I feel, by all of the previous, um, you know, heartbreaking, heartbreaking losses she's felt at Grand Sam's. So I think that could weigh heavily on someone. And uh, I think I'm hoping from Onzibor she can use it in a positive way and not feel like she's got the complete kind of weight on her shoulders going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, she was last year's finalist. So she'll be wanting to obviously maintain her, her kind of deep run here based on, on last year as well. So hopefully she'll be able to kind of get the better of those uh, problems. Maybe it was hopefully just, just a once-off. I mean... Other top seeds that have come through today, we've had Marketa Von Drusova in action. First uh, time playing at Slam since becoming a Grand Slam champion. She absolutely... Uh, she is playing yeah, well. Without any issue. 6-3, mm. 6-love over Han. Um, out on court, I think, was it 17 she was scheduled? So uh, wasn't getting the, the show court that <laughs> worthy of a Wimbledon champion. Kim, that's what happens. Yet. As I said, you, you, get, you, get, you can become Wimbledon champion, you get put on court 17. That's the way it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they treat uh, the Wimbledon champion. But yeah, she's on a roll of winning, what, 13 of her last 15 matches. So she's, um, yeah, her good she's form gonna be a continues. She is going to be a handful, I think. And uh, a Jessica Bagula as well, I think, you know. Yeah. We did have her match against Camilla Georgie. I didn't necessarily have this on upset alert, but it certainly was a match that caught my eye um, on the draw sheet. But Pagula coming through that again, 6-2, 6-2, very, very comfortably. The fact that she only won four out of 15 break points and won so comfortably, I think it just shows, um, you know, she didn't actually take all of her chances. So it could have been even even more comfortable, really. But um, she, again, is going to be very motivated in terms of having a point to prove that she can belong with the very best. And, you know, this is the perfect start for her with a straight sets win against a competitor like like Camilla Georgie. Yes, I thought it was a very convincing, uh, really good, you know, comfortable scoreline, which is exactly the sort of thing that she will she will need. Uh, she's wanting to clinch her first slam. Mm. Um, and a curiosity, Joel, I've, I've noticed today we've got um, and I don't know what you think about this. We've got Wickmeyer up against um, Vera Zvonareva. Um, mm who obviously back in the day is, is a finalist at a Grand Slam. And Wickmeyer herself, I think, was a semi-finalist here. So a bit of a blast from the past with that match. But Yanina Wickmeyer, she withdrew from qualifying. She retired, but she's now back in on a lucky loser. Um, seemingly fine, perhaps going to win against um, Swanareva. What, what do you make of that? Should she have been allowed to come back in if she'd retired in, in her qualifying match? Or... You know, is is that um, totally fine? What, what do you think? No, I don't think it's acceptable that a player can retire so soon before a main draw of a Grand Slam starts and seemingly be fighting fit to come into the main draw and play, let alone, you know, go on and, and win a match. And I don't necessarily think it should be happening. I wonder if there is like a rule that should be in place that if you withdraw in qualifying final qualifying round you are not eligible to play in the main draw because I don't think it's particularly fair and um, you know it's just very perplexing I mean I saw kind of a video of Wickmeyer um, 
you know, in, in that final qualifying round, you know, she was in tears. She was upset around the fact that she had to withdraw. So to go from that kind of scene of, of seemingly in distress to this moment where, you know, you get Zvonareva and you're like, oh, okay, I've, I've got a shot here. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go um, to go into the second round. I, I don't think it's particularly on. I love Yanina Whitmire. I mean, I watched her win, um, you know, in, in, in Surbiton Trophy, but I'm just, I'm not sure that this sort of route, once having lost, should be allowed from qualifying to, to main draw action. Yeah, and actually she has won that match against Zonareva. That result has just come in. So she'll be playing keys in the second round. Um, and I guess the, it's the, uh, the whoever would have been the lucky loser will be wondering, oh, that could have been me. Um, and maybe yeah, maybe they need to look at a, a rule change perhaps. But um, let's just quickly look at what is still to come today. Uh, we'll do a little mini night session preview uh, of what we haven't seen yet. Um, got Carlos Alcaraz against Dominic Kerpfer and also Greet Minin against Venus Williams on Arthur Ashe. So they've putting, uh, obviously, home favourite Venus uh, on the show course. Maybe it'll be the last time she plays there. Who knows? And I mean, she was meant to play uh, Paola Bedossa, but Bedossa mm. pulled out. So um, to have Greek Minin, I feel like that might feel like, well, it might feel like a little bit of a bonus, but actually maybe you would have wanted to face Bedossa in first match back, probably very rusty, Maybe actually that was more of a, a um, an ideal scenario versus someone like a Greek Minnan who um, is going to be fighting for absolutely every point and you know might revel in the in the feeling of you know perhaps having like ninety nine percent of Arthur Ashe uh, seemingly against her. Yeah, it will be quite one sided, but you know, great experience for her. You know, night session at the US Open probably you know, one to tick off. Uh, Louis Armstrong Stadium has got Yannick Sinner against Yannick Hampfman. Oh, two Yannicks. Um, and we've got Sabalenka against Zanevska as well. So, um, yeah, both both of them out on show courts as well. Yeah, I think for Sinner, that could be a little bit of a tricky test. I mean, I've been mm. following Hampfman this season. Um, he's having a, you know, he's having a good season. I think he got to, a, you know, he's been to into the quarterfinals of a, of a Masters Series event in or around the, the top 50. So I don't necessarily think that is like a given straight sets, very easy stroll for Sinner. I think he could be tested a little bit early, maybe even a little bit similar, I think, to kind of Casper Ruud yesterday against Emilio Nava. So I think, yeah, he's going to need to be on it, I think, for, for that match because I think that could have a few moments where, um, yeah, questions will be asked of him from Hampman. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that's the easiest draw in the world. I am loving, though, Kim, the fact that Jack Draper, who I thought was going to retire, he is our set up against Radu Al- Albot. Um, 6-1, one set, 28 minutes, move on to the second set. So I'm loving the fact that he he, he, he did do a whip Byron and, uh, and withdraw, um, which I was sort of worried about given you know, what we saw in... Um, in Winston-Salem, but maybe that was more precautionary than anything, it appears. It might might well have been, but yeah, let's hope Draper will continue the good day for the Brits and as well as Andy Murray. Because um, yeah, so far, so good for, for the British players. Um, let's take a quick break now, but do join us in the second half where we'll be taking a look back on all the action from day one at Flushing Meadows. So do not go anywhere. Our US Open coverage is sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash tennis weekly. That's drinkag1.com forward slash tennis weekly. Check it out. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by AG1. And now we're going to look back at day one at the US Open. Monday, opening day of play, we had a few uh, very straightforward victories for top seeds uh, on the women's side. Iga Sviontek and Elena Rabakina sailing through very, very comfortably um, without any fuss at all, really. Um, However... Very, uh, very recently sort of in form, uh, just picked up her first 
1,000 title Coco Goff, she had a bit of a battle. She was a set down and had to kind of come back against Lara Ziegman to, to get into the the second round. Um, what did you make of Coco Goff on the opening day, Joel? Um, you know, given her recent form, do you think, like, were you expecting her to, to struggle in this match like she did? Yeah, it was a little bit surprising. And it was it was surprising to me how much she let Siegmund affect her. And it was quite clear, I think, from the the German's point of view that she was going out to to affect the rhythm of Coco Goff. You know, she's been in such a good groove at the moment. And uh, I think Siegmund went out onto that court, didn't really care for Coco Goff, didn't really care for the crowd either, and was like, I'm going to make you play tennis on my terms. And that's when I feel like we got all this controversy, particularly around the Siegmund serving action and the fact that it took... Um, from Coco Goss' point of view, so long and the umpire wasn't really doing much about it. She was letting the shot clock run down to zero. From Goss' point of view as well, uh, she felt the umpire was taking lo- a long time to announce the score, so giving even a few more pressure seconds to, to Siegmund. And um, yeah, from my point of view, it was, I was thought it was like a little bit surprising to see Goff so angry and, and animated at the net. Um, you normally see her as such a chilled and cool character on the court. Um, so for me, yeah, seeing her go to the net and have a bit of a chinwag with the the umpire about the, the situation, um, it, yeah, it showed me it showed me a Coco Goff. I don't think I've necessarily seen before, but maybe it just shows just how how competitive she is and and how she's almost kind of turned a page and you know she's just showing she really really wants it and she's gonna she's gonna fight for everything including things maybe she wouldn't have she wouldn't have fought for before yeah i think so and i mean i mean it just shows that whatever is thrown against you you know up against you on the, in the first round of a grand slam you've got to just deal with it and yes she you know she did get um quite uppity about it but um you know, she's got to just look back and think, right, okay, what can what can I do differently next time? I got through it and I've survived. Um, it doesn't sound like she would do anything differently because, you know, in the in the press conference afterwards, she said, if I could do it all over again, I would have said something earlier, maybe on a changeover. Other than that, I don't regret talking to the ref the way I did. I actually watched the video when I was taking an ice bath because I wanted to make sure before I came in here. Sometimes you have these emotions and you forget what you said. I'd still say everything I said in that moment again. So I feel like she's still, you know, she's still very confident. And we've seen that, I think, you know, over the years with, with Coco Goff. But um, yeah, she it shows that there's maybe a little bit of a an edge to her that maybe we didn't we haven't seen really before possibly so um i mean you do need a bit of edge to be a grand slam champion so <laughs> <laughs> i know and uh, i mean what do you make of it from kind of siegman's point of view because yeah she was kind of saying like i'm being made out as the the bad person here and you know i just wanted to have a good clean match do you think it was it was fair in terms of uh, you know her her service action do you think do you think the umpire was a little bit too lenient and could have got involved earlier than than she did? And do you think from that extent, do you think the umpire arguably enabled the, the crowd to get on Siegmund's back because of the length and the, the allowance she made for her at times? Yeah, I feel like the more you sort of accept early on, it's, it like doesn't set that mm. sort of standard and you've almost got to it's say something sooner. Yeah, it's almost like giving feedback, you know, it's, it's better to do it straight away when you notice things if you let it build up and then sort of come in with with the message it's not quite as effective so i think that she might be living and learning from, from i mean that it was i mean it was also that but it was also the fact that you know coco goff was angry also about the fact that siegmund wasn't she wasn't playing to the server um and that was the thing that really kind of upset coco and uh you know if i'm a if i'm a, a player who might be playing off uh, you know later on in the competition i would maybe look at the way that siegmund yes she lost the match but she got under the she got under the collar of of coco goff and uh it, it visibly upset her in a way that she went and did something about it i.e go to the net and, and talk to the umpire and uh you know in the end it didn't it didn't distract her and she was able to get it done in in three sets but you know maybe there's there's a few tactics there that could be learned from players who could come up against Coco Goff in terms of, well, how can I, how can I uh, derail a player who's been playing so well over the last few months? 
Well, exactly. That could be a could be a strategy for others. I mean, let's look at some of the other results from yesterday. Uh, another top seed who did struggle, but perhaps it wasn't so much of a surprise uh, because she hasn't been in very good form at all. Is uh, Maria Sakkari? You know, she's been in the top eight in the seedings at the last eight majors. Uh, however, she hasn't won a match at a Grand Slam since the Australian Open this year. So perhaps not surprising that she has lost in the first round to. Rebecca Masarova of Spain, who is currently the world number 71. Uh, this was 6-4-6-4, so quite straightforward. Uh, Masarova's, I think, her first top 10 victory over a player as well. Um, what do you think has gone wrong for Sakari? I mean, this is a very sort of um, <laughs> standard loss. Uh, she really needs to sort of go away and regroup, I think. When we talk about Coco Goff being distracted by Laura Siegmund's serve, it sounds like Miria Sakari was was distracted by a weed smell uh, around the court, which uh, you know she wanted to highlight to the umpire. It was uh, really quite. Uh, I mean, you'd, it's one of those where you're just like, you would never get that at Wimbledon, um, but obviously New York, New York slightly different. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of the tennis, I think Maria Sakari, yeah, it's disappointing in terms of like grand slams she's just not been at the races three round one losses um in a row and uh, you know the fact that you know in a press conference afterwards she was tearful she was talking about the fact that she might should she take a break from the game and uh, i do think it's still very much mental you know she's such a physical athlete i think that's you know one of her you know, greatest um strengths but I think there's a lot to be said for her mental game. And, you know, we've spoken about that in, in big matchups and, you know, the fact that she's, she very often struggles, um, you know, to reach, to reach finals, but it, I think goes deeper than that. And uh, I think, you know, six months ago, maybe we would have said Zachary is on, on the road to, to stagnating, but I almost kind of feel like you look at her Grand Slam results in the last three you're not saying she's stagnating. I feel like you're saying she's she's reversing. She's regressing back, you know, to a, a player into into her shell really, and and it's and it's not great because you know we've seen again like Caroline Garcia. It's almost like she's stuck in this rut now, and we want to see her get out of this rut. But it doesn't seem like it's it's on the horizon at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think she's she just needs to go away and take a bit of a break, um, which is what she said. You know, she said she's um, her mind. Do you is think not that's clear. the best? Do you think that's the best plan of action? If I was her, I would probably have a bit of time off. Um, you know, I imagine financially she could probably afford to do that. Um, and something clearly isn't working. So it's either change it up. Um, you know, got to do something different and maybe break with your routine because quite clearly. You know, she's not in the right headspace. Something's not quite um, slotting into place. So I would, yeah, I if, if I was her, I would take myself off a nice, uh, you know, I want to say Greek island. She might not want to go to Greek uh, island seeing she's from there. But, you know, nice holiday um, and take your mind off tennis for a few weeks and come back refreshed. Yeah, I mean, she was quoted as saying, maybe I need to take a break. I am suffering on the court, but I can't make a decision right now. My mind isn't clear and it's difficult. I'm constantly trying to improve. Maybe I need more time to reach where I want to be. I truly feel that I'm making a great effort, especially in the psychological aspect. And I find this is this is what's so, I think, complex about like the mental game of tennis is that it's not just like, Oh, bring a sports psychologist on board and everything is right as rain. And, you know, you look at Iga Sviontek and it you know, worked for her. It's going to work for me. And, you know, with these struggles with, with Zachary, they feel just so deep rooted that it's not like a quick fix, is it? From a, a psychologist going to come in, identify the problem and let's let's tackle it. It feels like it's still there from like a, a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's gonna she's gonna have to change something up. Um, let's hope in a year's time we'll be talking about Zachary back to her making her semi-finals uh, because you know we used to say how frustrating it was that she couldn't get any further. But you know she'd much rather be getting to the semi-finals and losing in the first round of mm. Grand Slams. I'm, I'm sure of that. Than, she's so much better than that. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's look at some of the other stories from the women's draw from uh, yesterday, because I mean, we did mention this slightly um, at the start of the show, another British player, but one that maybe a lot of people listening today won't have heard of. And that's British qualifier Lily Miyazaki uh, reaching the second round of the uh, US Open. Her first time uh, playing, you know, in the main draw of of a slam um, at the US Open. She's never previously qualified for one. uh, So she's made her way through qualifying and got her first win over Margarita Betova of Russia. Uh, 6-3, 6-3. She faces Belinda Bencic next, which I think is quite a nice reward for winning her first... Um, that's a nice reward. I think that's, a, I think that's a welcome to Grand Slam tennis type match. Welcome to reality. Welcome yeah. to reality, yes. I think this is... If I was looking at the draw sheet and I saw Betova... Um, in the first round. Petova, for our listeners, by the way, is is Gasparian, um, who married and uh, is now Petova. She has had dreadful form of, of late. I don't think she's won a match this year. Um, I was reading, you know, she was 1-0, lost 10 in her last 10 matches. So to see that on the draw sheet, for Miyazaki, this is like, this is your moment. There's not going to be a better opportunity as a qualifier as well to make the second round and um you know I watched I watched the match and it was a great performance from Miyazaki I was impressed with how she handled the occasion it's never easy I feel like in these in these situations and the fact that she went out there made the most of it I loved how she handled you know the second set I think it was two all love 40 on on her serve and the way she handled that moment she didn't let it get to her um yeah it was it was mightily impressive but I, I still couldn't came I still just had in the back of my mind of if she gets to Belinda Benchitz in the second round, there is going to be a big step up in ability, I think, from from Batova to, to Benchich. I mean, Benchich yes. semi been to a semi-finals in, at the US Open in, in 2019, not that long ago. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, she's, she's a seasoned pro at, at the Grand Slam level, albeit, you know, she hasn't got, got to a final. But um, I just feel like, I feel like if you're going to go into a nice, you know, Grand Slam round two, in a way, it's nice to have a seeded player. I mean, obviously, you'd rather have a more winnable match, but, you know, you are rewarded with playing a, a top player you wouldn't maybe normally play. And she has, I think, now kind of surpassed all, all expectations. Um, you know, I was thinking earlier about, you know, the fact that, British qualifier come through the you know three rounds of qualifying into the main draw relatively unheard of some similarities there Kim with with Emma Raducanu but I do think yeah this this to me is probably where the the you know the the road ends maybe for for Miyazaki in round two but yeah she can be so happy I think with you know her performances how she's gone above her expectation and how she can push her ranking up because you know provisionally now I think she's just outside um, the top 150 with this prize money as well it's really going to help her I think just kind of support her travels going from tournament to tournament and I hope these experiences I think show her that you know she's been playing on the ITF circuit for a few seasons now and uh, you know, maybe you know, after this, she'll have the confidence and the belief to be like, well, right, I'm on the ITF circuit. I'm doing well here. But the fact that I can be in a Grand Slam main draw, I should be pushing up to arguably maybe get towards 100, around 100, top 100 in the world. And, uh, you know, start to enter into, you know, WTA, maybe 250, WTA 125 um, qualifying draws and, and make it that way. Because, you know, it's so exciting, I think, with with Bolter, Jody Burridge as well, Harriet Dark, Katie, Katie Swan. Um, there's a real kind of cohort, I think, of GB players in this area. And I just think adding yourself into the into the mix here, it's, it's really exciting and it can propel you, I think, to areas that, you know, she may previously have not thought possible. Yeah, I mean, um, Jodie Burridge and Miyazaki actually share the same coach. So yeah, um, obviously they um, they know and each Mi- other well. Miyazaki beat Burridge at, uh, in Surbiton. Um, I, I watched a bit of that and, and Burridge was there cheering on Miyazaki in New York, which was, I think, a really nice touch. And, you know, they are friends off, off the court. So um, yeah, it was, it, was nice to, it was nice to see and it's great to see her into the into the second round i hope she gets a good uh court allocation and there are some british fans there because um i think she's she's earned it and now i think this is her moment to kind of show like let's let's see what you've got now you beat you beat Betova. she's not been in great form this season now you're facing ben chich we're going to see what you're made of yeah exactly um and i think i mean just 
it must be funny if you are the same, you know, the shared coach when they do play each other. <laughs> Who do you support? It must be, must be a bit awkward, a bit like the Tony Nadal thing. Flip a coin. Yes, yeah. sit right down the middle of the, 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 the net post. Yeah. Um, let's have a look at some of the men's action uh, so far this tournament because we had, um, I think, what is a really nice news story from the first day of play. And that I was can't Dominic believe Keen. it, Kim. I can't believe it. What, Dominic Team getting his first win at a slam since 2021. Yeah, I guess Alexander Public as well. Yeah, straight sets. I know six three six two six four. It was so much easier than I envisaged it would be. Should he get the win, I, I had hopes that he would. I, th- I thought he could maybe. He hadn't even played on hard courts. Uh, yeah, I think he, he he played in Vienna. Played on the on the clay. Um, oh sorry, in Kitzbühel on the clay, and uh, we've not really seen him on on the hard. So for him to come back and and do this, yes, he's had previous at the U.S. Open. I mean, he's a, a Grand Slam champion here. But yeah, it's just still, regardless of that, it just felt like a big seismic shock to do what he did in straight sets. Well, we had, uh, you know, visions of of his sort of form of form returning, I, I think, at Wimbledon against Sitspass in that opener. And I'm just pleased that he was able to get the win here. So, yeah, I feel like if he can stay under the radar and just, you know, take it a match at a time and just see see where he's going to go, you know, with, with this, I mean... I think with with lower expectations and just focusing on his tennis, and you know, he said it's a really special victory because of all the memories he's had here. So, I'm 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 feeling um, yeah quite positive about about team based on what we've seen. I will say though, there was one sour moment, um, you know, in that match because it it looked like on TV it caught Alexander Bublik saying, "I'm expletive sick of getting all these disabled people back in their career." And uh, yeah, this, I can't verify that word for word, but that's, it sounded like what he said um, on on court. And, you know, I was singing the praise of of Bublik being a more mature competitor um, this year. And to hear him say something like that um, on the court is is, is sickening. And, And if that can be proven, I think he should, he should get fined for that, I think. Oh, absolutely. I think that's absolutely horrendous thing to say, if that is what indeed he did say. Um, and that's just the very, very unsavoury and um, just, you know, ridiculous. So um, but we'll have to see if anything comes of that. Um, I mean, Bublik is not the only seed that's out on the men's side from yesterday. We've had Holger Runa um, departing in the first round to Roberto Caballé's Baena, who is a very consistent wily Spaniard who you don't really want to come across we've moved on from PCB Kim it's all about the RCB it's RCB um and well Rune wasn't very happy uh about a lot of things (laughs) was he a he lost b he was moaning about a noisy fan and c he was annoyed at having to play on court five um rather than a a bigger he was not happy was it just I mean, generally not is, a happy bunny. This is the beauty to me. This is the beauty as a fan of of the U.S. Open is that I genuinely feel like the organisers they do not care in relation to your name or seeding. They've got so many big courts, not just Arthur Ashe and Louis Armstrong. They've got magnificent stadia on on grounds pass, and they need to fill them them with names. And I think as a fan, for me, that's the beauty that you get to see some of these players like the fourth seed you know, on, on court five. To me, that adds kind of a specialness of going to New York City to see these players on these unfamiliar courts in these unfamiliar territories. I totally understand from a player point of view, you're like, well, I've earned, I've, I'm slaving away. I've got my ranking this high. And I've, I guess from his point of view, he feels like he's earned a bit more respect than arguably a court five shows. Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree. He's the fourth seed, but um <laughs> It's a stacked day, isn't it? The opening day of a Grand Slam yeah. and you've got your home fans who you want to... Yeah, you've got American players who you want to, you know, have the home fans also watching on the on the show court. So, um, you know, he's not winning fans, I think, when he comes out with uh, sort of those co- sorts of comments. However, I had him going quite deep in my predictions uh, in the draw. So I, I, I'm not doing very well. With that, I also had Seb Corder going quite deep in my predictions. He's also out. Uh, what was I thinking, Joel, with, with going, thinking <laughs> Corder was, was going to go that, deep? Uh, to be fair, I give you that because like Martin Fucevic, he's just like perennial tough Grand Slam competitor. And it, you know, went down to a final set. Very, very tight. And uh, yeah, I mean, I give you that. But yeah, I was maybe a little bit more surprised by 
Runa. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, what it is with, with with his team potentially, but it feels like you know he's not won. He didn't win a match in the North American Hardcore Swing. He went, he went out in round one in Toronto. He went out in round one in Cincinnati. And now he's gone out in round one in New York. It feels like to me like he's playing hurt, and I don't know whether that's a suggestion of his inexperience or his immaturity or he just loves the game and, and wants to play but I don't know whether there needs to be a, a step back taken either by him or his team or whoever it is to be like well, hang on something's not right here we've seen you play so much better tennis three losses on the bounce maybe there needs to be a bit more bit more time to heal and there was a little little bit of a rush back to make sure that he could play two masters in two weeks back to back and I think, you know, looking in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the best option. And maybe either you do one of them or maybe you don't do either of them and uh, make sure you're just 100% ready for best of five set tennis at a Grand Slam when you are the fourth seed, you want to make the most of it. And from this experience, he's going out in round one. Yeah, uh, pushing yourself when you're not really ready um, is is never going to be a, a good recipe for for long term success. So it, it does seem that um, that might be uh, something that's that's going along. But yeah, it, it was a tough opener to be fair. Um, and we we could have also had Casper Rude potentially having difficulty, but he did come through four sets against Emilio Nava. Could have been. You know, I enjoyed banana that skin. match. I loved that. It was. Um... Nava is a very, I think, a very good competitor. I, again, as you said, like I love seeing like these American players, collegiate players. Um, you know, a pathway. I feel like it brings players to the tour. You know, Cam Cam Nori is a, a fine example of that from the the British point of view. But you always kind of feel like they they sort of bring in players who kind of make up the numbers. They're not necessarily going to be like a top a top five player, for example. But they certainly could be like a you know, top 20, maybe even a, a top 10 player. And, um, you know, I think Nava just kind of showcased all his skills and uh, he really made Casper Ruud finalist last year. Casper Ruud worked for it. And um, yeah, it was a great match played in a great spirit. Um, and I, yeah, that tie break at the end, I was wondering, oh, is this going to go to a fifth? Could could Nava maybe, um, you know, complete the comeback? But um, yeah, Ruud did very well, I think, to to stop that in four. Yes, I, I agree. And um, Djokovic also in action, uh, very comfortable against um, Alexandria Muller, six love, six, two, six, three. So Djokovic is now back to world number one because he's won a match at the US Open, which is all he needed to do to secure that. I mean, we don't need to talk about this match because we didn't really learn anything from it. I was going to say, actually, the fact that Holgerun has gone out, I mean, his draw has got even easier if that was even possible. But I wanted to ask, I feel like we see this all the time. Alexandra Muller was like, he was like six love, two love down. He won a game. Oh my God, he won a game. And did he celebrate it? He was just sort of just you know, appeasing himself to the uh, to the to the Arthur Ashe Stadium um, in the night match. And uh I was just like, and whenever I see these types of moments, I'm always like, is that a little bit embarrassing? You're a professional player to get one game and then celebrate it like you've won your maiden Grand Slam title. I don't know. To me, I, I have a little bit of a like, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um... <laughs> or is that just a sign of how good Novak Djokovic is playing? Probably that, to be honest with you. And he was in <laughs> in supreme form. His draws really opened up even more, like you said. And I don't see any impediments at the moment to Djokovic strolling into the final. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I do. Would you do the that. same? Would you do the same? You against Novak Djokovic. You've lost eight games in a row. You win a game. Do you? What do you do? You're just gonna go to the net, and you're just like, yeah. Fine, I'm like, oh, monkey off the back here. Not going to get double bageled or even triple bageled, maybe. Or do you kind of just full on revel in it? I think the, as a person in the crowd, you want the person to like big it yeah. up because it, you need some energy into the match. Yep. Let's yep. face it. Otherwise, it's just one way traffic. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, uh, poor Alexandre Muller. He, uh, it was very one sided. Um, and another one sided match, Joel. Uh, was Stefano Sitspas against Milos Raonic? How was which this you, so one-sided? I don't understand. Thought, <laughs> I can't have been the only be... one. I cannot have been the only one. 
uh, looking at the draw when it came out being this is big banana skin territory all over it. And I, I well, as I said in my preview pod, I, I, I could have seen Milos Raonic come out with a win there. Well, yeah, you. I mean, oh, at least it should have been maybe a closer match. But Sitspas got the job done. Straight sets, very comfortable. Um, Raonic, to be fair, you know, he's still kind of eking his way way back in. Um, very out of practice mm. at the slam. I mean, level. he only served. Um, I mean, I mean, Sitspas played very well actually. Um, he only had Mark Philippoussis in his um, in his corner. But I think Raonic only served eight aces across that match. I think it just shows how well. You know, Sissipas, particularly on uh, on on the roundish serve, was was performing, and um, maybe I, I need to give him more credit because that was a not a nice draw. Um, you know, he got and he he dealt with it beautifully. He did, yeah. And um, you know, we've se- we have seen this from Sissipas before. I think you know he has some tough opening rounds mm. at slams, and we sort of put him on the. Oh, is Murray, he going to make Murray it? At Wimbledon. Yeah, Murray at Wimbledon. You guys all thought that that was going to be uh, be Murray's for the taking, but Sitsipas came through. I mean, he's got Dominic Stricker next to I do, I do believe Sitsipas will come through that as well. Um, but he doesn't have a great record here. He hasn't ever reached the second week, to be fair, Sitsipas. So I can see why, you know, this is by far his, probably his, yeah, his worst slam still. Um, I mean, Stricker is again, I mean, Stricker came through Alexi Popperin, who again in my preview was like, oh, that could be tough. But uh, I mean, I watched uh, Stricker at Wimbledon qualifying. He is a big, he is a big ball basher from the back of the court, just wants to hit winners, um, you know, with his, um, you know, with his weight of shot. So um, I think Sissipas is going to be, you know, ready for that. It was interesting, actually, I just, just before we kind of look at the day three and all, all the matches there, Sissipas was talking about his single-handed backhand and how he modelled that on Roger Federer's and he wants his backhand to basically be the successor to Roger Federer's single-handed backhand and the fact that, you know, there's still, you know, an area in the modern game for a single-handed backhand. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was kind of curious about that because obviously a lot of people talk about his single-handed backhand as one of his, his greatest weaknesses and arguably, you know, one of the reasons stopping him become a Grand Slam champion. Um, but it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, his his background with that shot and where that has come from. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that that's that's completely that's completely correct, and it was was quite interesting to to hear him say that. Um, but um, I think, yeah, with Sitsipas, I envisage him. I think I've got him in my quarterfinals, maybe semifinals. I can't remember now, but I envisage that he will um, he will come through. I think he might be on for his best flushing meadows yet. Yeah, I can see it now. I can believe you can it, see now it now that he's got. I can see it now, but I couldn't see it before. Which nicely brings us on to our collector set predictions, uh, because let's let's reveal who we've gone for. Chris will reveal his um, when he's back on the pod. He he has done he has done them. Don't worry, listeners. He's not cheating the system. He's definitely done them. That he's submitted them. Um, but Joel, do you want to talk through your collector set predictions? Because okay. we've we've got Alcaraz, Sitspas, and Tommy Paul for the men. So what have you gone for for those? I've got Alcaraz making the final. Sitspas. Well, actually, I'll, I'll wait for Sissipas. Tommy Paul, I've got quarterfinals. And I put I've, I put Stefanos Sissipas round one. I went too big too early, Kim. I thought he was going to go out to Milos Raonic. So I'm already a man down. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I've gone for those guys. <laughs> I've gone uh, Sissipas, qu- yeah, quarterfinal. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tommy Paul round three. Alcaraz final. So sort of in agreement I'm yeah, not, yeah. not so confident on Tommy Paul what about what about Von Drusova Mukova Wozniacki where are you going there Von Drusova quarterfinal uh, Mukova I've gone bold semi-final um, you love going bold on, on Mukova in collector <laughs> set oh um, and Wozniacki round two I know she okay. she won today in yeah. straight sets uh, but she's she's playing Kvitova round two but mm. I, I don't know if she's you know will she get the job done against a Petra Kvitova not well, sure we'll talk yet. about that in a sec because that has been put on the night session on uh, Arthur Ashe which I'm absolutely loving because that is an old school matchup former Grand Slam champions, both of them, of course. To, to see that as the night match on our fresh, I think that's going to be great. Um, I have got Von Drusova quarterfinals, Mukova quarterfinals, and also Wozniacki round two. I, I'm, I'm sort of in agreement. I think Wozniacki 
Kvitova. I think Kvitova will be a step too far for Wozniacki. But as I said, that is going to be one of the night matches uh, tomorrow. Uh, Francis Tiafo is also on Arthur Ashe. He's going to be kicking off that night session against Sebastian Offner. And then, yeah, we've also got Djokovic back. He's going to have Morales. Coco Goff versus Mira Andriva. Um, that is an interesting one. They played each other at the French Open. Andriva took the first set. Do you see any problems again for Coco Goff in that matchup? I think it could be a three-setter, but I do think Coco Goff will come through. I think Andreva, she dropped a set in her opener. And although I, I really rate her as, you know, a future prospect, um, I don't think she'll have quite enough just yet. I think Coco Goff will have enough for that one. And we've also got Iga Sviontek versus Daria Saville, Elise Mertens, Daniel Collins. Um, we've got, what else have we got? Mukova, Magdalena Fretch, and uh, Jen Brady versus Magdalenette. I think, you know, if, if we're all serious about Jen Brady, Magdalenette, 24th seed, Goatnet. Um, can we still call her Goatnet? I think, I love the sound of it. So let, let's let's say we can, yeah. <laughs> if we're all serious about Jen Brady, that's a match she's going to need to turn up for, isn't it? Yes, yeah, because that, that's, that's going to be a, a tricky one. Um, but yeah, I think there's some great matches. Um in store for us and I think yeah that Andreva Goff one is probably the one I'm I'm most looking forward to there's Rebecca against Tomljanovic uh which you know Tomljanovic is back she had a really great uh US Open last year obviously Rebecca seems to be in good form but I think that's quite an interesting matchup just, as well just on Rebecca as well I think similar to to Sisipas Radic I thought Kostuk could have posed more of a threat than she did against Rabakina in in round one, given um, you know the, the you know the um, the amount that that Rabakina has put her body through over the last few weeks across um, Canada and, and and Cincinnati, I thought there could have been a tougher test there. But again, maybe that just shows how good Rabakina is playing at the moment, and we should all be taking her very very seriously. Yeah, I think um, you know she obviously did what she needed to at, at the time for her you know her physical fitness, and uh, that was the right decision to to withdraw um, after she played in Canada. And you know you've got to focus on the Grand Slam because that's where you where, where you you want to get the results. You know above all the other tournaments. So um, hopefully you know we won't see a repeat of. I think was it the French Open? She had that illness, had to withdraw, yes. and she was in in good shape beforehand. Um, so hopefully she is she's fit enough to to go deep. Well, what we'll do is we're going to just write down all these matches, send them to Chris, and Chris can go scout them in person uh, for us. And listeners, if you've got any other matches you want Chris to to go to, um, let us let us know. But uh, we're going to be ending our round one round by round catch up of the US Open with Tennis Weekly here. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from Flushing Meadows at the US Open. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can purchase Tennis Weekly merchandise at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Tennis Weekly Podcast or email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Thursday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our round two US Open catch-up sponsored by AG1. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.